Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. I bring you good news. Good news. Good news of great joy for all people. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. The Lord. Mary will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Savior on the Christmas Eve service. That's going to be at 5 o'clock Christmas Eve. And I'll just be bringing a 7 to 10 minute uh, gospel message about how Jesus is the Savior. We're going to sing the choruses and enjoy that time together. And then on Christmas Day, and somebody in the room is going to get this wrong, all right? You're going to come at 1045 and it'll all be over. Christmas Day worship is at 9 30. Can you remember this? I hope so. Christmas Day, it's at 9.30. Christmas Eve, it's 5 p.m. All right? And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they spread abroad 
the word concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things that the shepherds said. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, just as it was told to them. Don't picture smooth green fields. Not that. I've been in those fields around Bethlehem, and they were very rocky. Large rocks. Rocks that form caves and other formations. I've never seen an implement that could plow the fields around Bethlehem. And so at night, the flocks are not out there in those rocks, nor are the shepherds. They can find the sheep, and the shepherds watch over them to protect them from the predators. We have had sheep on the farm that we have all our lives. And when December rolls around, the lambs are always being born. I know some people say it's too cold for them to be out in the fields, but actually the shepherds work hard in December where I grew up because the sheep are having their lambs and while wolves can kill full-grown sheep, red fox and gray fox and ringtails and even raccoons and of course hawks and other birds of prey can kill these weak, wet little lambs that have just been born. And these little lambs represent the eco economic engine of the industry there in Bethlehem. These lambs are very, very important to the owners and the shepherds. They want them to be taken to market in just three or four months when they will be prime to be sold as sacrifices in Passover. And so while these lambs, historically, traditionally, are being born, Jesus is born. And we don't know the exact time. We don't. But in a stable, in a manger where the cattle and the sheep eat, the mother places this child all wrapped up like a papoose and lays him on the hay. And 33 years later, in March or April, he will be taken to Jerusalem and hung up to die for you and me. And that's the cycle of his life. He was born when the Passover lambs were being born. And he died when the Passover lambs were dying. He is, as John the Baptist described him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now the angel says, fear not. Do not be afraid because the shepherds are obviously afraid. And that's par for the course with angels appearing. Zechariah was afraid. The angel said, don't be afraid to Zechariah. Don't be afraid to Joseph. 
don't be afraid to marry, and now don't be afraid to the shepherds. And I think out of the four don't be afraids, the shepherds are the ones that legitimately should be jumping out of their skin. Because it's night, and they're out there by a fire somewhere, and all of a sudden there's this person in the circle of light around that campfire. There he is. He just appears. It could have been anybody, and it had been frightening. But it's an angel, and so it's even more frightening. And so they are afraid. They're also afraid because there's this light that comes blazing out of heaven. Luke describes it as this. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. Suddenly this angel appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone shone round them and it is a bright and brilliant indescribable light that is the presence of God in the field that night we have a record of the glory of God coming down on the tabernacle after they completed it in a blazing burst of light and that glory was formed into a cloud by day and a fire by night they say in the old covenant that led God's people. And when they built the permanent temple, Solomon completed that temple with its holy of holies, just like it was in the tabernacle. The glory of God came down then too. And you can read the great praises they prayed unto God as the glory of God descended on Jerusalem and that temple that Solomon built. Ezekiel describes how the glory of God departed from the temple. He said he watched it leave. The prophet said it left because the people of God had left their God. And now a thousand years after the glory of God descended on Solomon's temple, the glory of God comes down again in that land, but it doesn't come to the temple, which is six miles away, to Jerusalem, to that great court that Herod built around the temple. It was a magnificent structure. But the glory of God does not fall upon the temple this day. Six miles away in the fields of Bethlehem, the glory of God comes down upon the shepherds. And God says to them in their fear, don't be afraid. I don't know what you're afraid of, but I know it seems to be a chronic condition of the human heart to be full of anxiety, to just be anxious about what's going on in your life, what's going on in your family, what's going on with your finances and in your world. We just seem to be anxious. Are you anxious this Christmas? Would you say you're fearful this Christmas? Are you afraid of things that are happening? Is that happening to you? The angel said, peace on earth. But so often we don't have peace. Jesus said to his disciples when he was about to leave, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. That's not what I'm giving to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's what Jesus said. He gave us a peace. He left us a peace. But so often we don't seem to have that peace. And sometimes particularly at Christmas time. We're anxious about Christmas, about the meal, about the food, about the presents. Will they be enough? 
Will the children be excited or will they be bored? <laughs> Have we done enough for Christmas? Will the presents arrive on time? All the anxieties of Christmas, will everybody treat each other well? Are we going to love each other this Christmas? Will we all get along? How will the Christmas gathering be? Do you have anxieties about Christmas stirring around in your heart? Do not be afraid. That's what the angel said. Don't be afraid. Peace on earth. Let God's peace reign in you. Wouldn't it be sad for you to be anxious throughout the Christmas season about how things would turn out and anxiety be sort of who you are and how you are, a little bit sharp, a little bit short, because you're worried about things and not really enjoying what Jesus came to bring. That'd be sad, wouldn't it? It escapes us. It escapes us what the child came to bring. He came to be our peace. He himself is our peace who has broken down all the walls between us and brought us into one in himself. Don't be afraid this Christmas. The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, good tidings of great joy and Good news is what? That's the word for the gospel. So it's a form of that word. Good tidings, good news. This is gospel. This is good. And it's mega joy. Mega terror. I bring you good news of mega joy. Which shall be for all people. Everybody. The Savior's coming for us all, every one of us. The first century did not understand that. The angel said, good tidings of great joy for all people, and the Jews thought it was just for them. They actually missed Jesus because they were thinking he would be a national figure who would deliver their nation. He was going to deliver them politically. That's what they supposed. They had boiled down the promised Messiah into a political figure. That would never happen in our generation, but it did back then. And they thought he was going to be their hero, their national hero. And because they were mistaken about who he was, that he was for not just Jews, not just the boundaries of Israel, but for all people, they missed him. Don't you miss Jesus? He's bigger than any single nation, tribe, or clan. Amen. He came for all people all over the world. Everyone needs to hear the news about Jesus. Good news of great joy for all people. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. And even as I preach today, I am thinking about all those preachers who are talking in 200 different languages and many different dialects, and they're explaining the good news of Jesus in places all over this planet, so remote you and I will never get there, but everywhere in all these little places, the gospel's going out because it is good news of great joy for all people. Amen. Amen. And the angel said, unto you, 
is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. Unto you, you shepherds here in this field, the shepherds hear the angels say, unto you is born this day. Unto me. Did you hear that? Unto me. The original David was a shepherd boy, and he was in the fields when he was supposed to be anointed king, and he was there because he was the youngest of all the children, and even a child could stay out in the pasture and watch the sheep, and if something bad happened, come tell us. So being a shepherd is not like a highly skilled position in that culture or economy. In fact, most people think being a shepherd is kind of the lowly of the low. Unto you, I mean, that sounds like something you ought to deliver to maybe King Herod or even to Augustus. Let him know. But no, the angel says, unto you, shepherds, is born this day in the city of David, a savior. Everybody needs a savior. And actually, savior is the central word of the Christmas story. He's the savior. He's not a savior who takes the heel of Rome off the neck of Israel, but a savior who delivers us from our sin. Initially, when you first meet Christ, you meet him in need of a savior. You are awakened morally to your own failure, and you suddenly realize, I am not doing well. I have done bad things, and I feel badly about them, and what am I supposed to do with this? And there is a moral awakening in your heart, in your conscience, and it troubles you, and you want to fix it some way, but you don't know how. You've hurt yourself, you've hurt others, you've done things that you know are wrong, and you need somebody to help you, and that's when you find Jesus. You're stirred inside to seek the Savior because you become aware of your sin. And sometimes that sin is just falling short of the glory of God. You just haven't measured up to the expectations that you had of yourself or maybe your parents had for you or whatever. You made a shot, but you fell short of the glory of God. And the scripture says all of us fall short. And there are people in this room today who still feel that inadequacy. You know, you're, you're living with that sense of having come up short. You're just not who your brother was, your sister was, your dad or mother was, and you wonder if you'll ever be. And you feel like you came up short. And there are some of us who have just, we've just stepped over the line, and we keep doing it. We know it's wrong. We know it's bad. We know it hurts the ones we love and hurts us, but we keep going where we shouldn't go. And we know it. That's called transgression. It's, it's breaking the boundary. It's going where you aren't supposed to go. And everybody does that. Knowing full well that it'd be better not to, we do it anyway. And the Bible calls that transgression. And then we take good gifts and we twist them. And that's what the Bible calls iniquity. And so we all need a Savior because these things are working in us. We have this anxiety about who we are and that we're not enough and the sense that we've broken the rules and crossed the boundaries and, and we've twisted stuff that should have been good and we've turned it into something that was bad. And with this sense of brokenness inside, 
we come to the Savior. And he rescues us. You know, you never get out of that need for the Savior. Maybe you came to Christ when you were a child. But this Christmas, you were living with all these things inside of you. And there's a kind of shame and guilt on your life. And you need the Savior just to relieve you of that shame and that guilt and let you know that your, your heart is clean and, and He's forgiven you. See, everybody in the room needs to live every day with the Savior who perpetually rescues us from our failing, our sin, our mistakes, our inadequacies. He's the one who lets us know that we are much loved by the Father in heaven who sent his own son to rescue us. He's the one who lets us know that forgiveness is available, not just from people, but from God, so that we can have a clear conscience and stand in righteousness before God. He's the one who saves us by his birth in Bethlehem in the midst of the Passover lambs and his death at Calvary. When the Passover lambs were dying, John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's what he does for us. John the, John the Apostle said, we have seen him and bear witness that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Well, the angel says, this shall be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. How does that do for a sign? It seems like just the appearance of the angel and the heavenly host and all their singing would have been the big sign. But the angel says, no, we got another sign for you. It's, it's over in Bethlehem. There's a manger there with a baby in it. That's the sign. The angel doesn't tell them to go, but he expects that they will. And sure enough, they do. As soon as sure as the angels leave, the shepherds say one to another, let's go now and see this thing which has come to pass. And they get to Bethlehem, and here's what they find. They find a baby boy who's just been born, and he's wrapped up like a papoose, and he's laying in the hay in a manger. And this is the sign. When John the Baptist was uncertain about if Jesus was the one, he sent a message to him and said, are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus said, well, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. It's a sign of the kingdom, you see, that the lowly shepherds get to hear the good news and the glory of God surrounds those lowly shepherds. And Jesus is famous for loving sinners Almost in a scandalous way, he loved them. He's famous for being no respecter of persons. And his birth was not about the mighty halls of politics and fame and wealth, but about a lowly manger. Because God lifts the humble. The shepherds just had to go see him. And we do too, you know. We hear the story 
and we think, is that true? Is that a true story? Was there a baby born in Bethlehem, swaddled in those claws? Was he laid in a manger? Did that really happen? We got to go check it out, just like the shepherds did. They were compelled by the story to go and see if this really did indeed happen. And Christmas is really about you making a similar trip. Like the shepherds, visiting Bethlehem in your mind and heart and asking the question, is he indeed the one? Everything hangs on him and who he is. And so all of the New Testament and all the four Gospels are written so that you may know who he is. And they start out unapologetically and they say, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life in his name. It's no secret. It's not some hidden agenda. It's right out there in front. His best friends, the people that, that were there in his ministry, the people that saw him, that heard him, that witnessed his crucifixion, that saw him in his resurrected body, these are the guys who wrote and said, we want you to know, he's the one. And all this is written so that you might believe. Because you know you need a savior and God knows your need even more. And he has sent the savior for you. His name is Jesus. As many as receive him, to those people he gives the power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Bow with me, please. Your trip to Bethlehem will be in mind and heart today. You will make it because the Holy Spirit is stirring you inside and you know you need a Savior and you have a sense of your own sinfulness and you want to be forgiven. You want to be clean on the inside and you don't know if you can be and you've wondered if you'll ever be. And the Christmas story is this. God sent his son to make you clean on the inside. It's the only way it can be. And so your pilgrimage will be in your mind and in your heart to a place where you kneel down before the Christ of Christmas and say, Lord, Savior, I need you. God, I pray for the one who struggles even now with a guilty conscience, with sin in their mind and heart and a brokenness inside they cannot fix. Lord, that you will stir them by the Holy Spirit and draw them to the one and only, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. God, we pray today that you would draw us back to yourself, that all we who trusted the Savior years ago will know this very moment we need you as much as we ever did, to be whole and healthy on the inside, to be healed of the wounds that we inevitably suffer. God, let the Savior be working in all of us to accomplish what he was sent to do, taking away our sin, making us whole. In Jesus' name we pray.